Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Patreon folks, thank you, for, thank you so much for supporting us. We're here with Matt Diavella, and uh, he has the Ground Up Show because the world needs another podcast. <laughs> That's right. And uh, Matt has been sent from somewhere, from the depths of Williamsburg, to uh, I think it was Naples actually, <laughs> <laughs> with a pocket full of pasta. I didn't know there was a Naples, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of people don't. A lot of uh, people don't. Or was it New Jersey? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, we're we're here with him in Los Angeles right now. Uh, he's going to be helping us build this podcast and and film studio that we're we're building with uh, with the support of our Patreon supporters. So we've got some questions we want to answer for you all privately for this uh, private podcast episode. All right. What are questions you got, Matt? Uh, Sam sent a, a voice message that I can play here. Sweet. Oh, cool. It's a minute voice message. Hey, Matt. This is Sam. I hear your voice all the time, so I thought, what the heck? You might as well hear mine. Uh, hey, I had a question for the minimalists, and I can't believe that I missed my opportunity. I'm very disappointed. I'm really excited they're on the show, so hopefully, uh, well, I'm sure you had some good questions anyway. I just this is, we had to, to reschedule the podcast. So. <laughs> that, you could still get them to answer it, or you could maybe cover it on another show if you feel it's important. Uh, here's my question. I'm going through uh, becoming a minimalist myself. I've been doing it for a few months, and, and right now I have a deadline. I have to be out of this house. Well, I, I set this deadline on myself uh, in about six weeks and I have a ton of stuff and as I'm going through everything and deciding what's important and what's not it's difficult and I wondered if you had any insight on how to make that decision what is critical to keeping in my life some of the things that are emotional that have been handed down that are irreplaceable I mean I don't really need them but you kind of want them and you hang on to them and how do you deal with that aspect of it what are like the bare essentials that you say all right this is what I must have I, mean, I don't think I must have just about anything. And I think it's a, a dangerous mindset we get ourselves mm-hmm. into. We can convince ourselves that I, I must have whatever, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking of my must-haves. Like, I guess I must have clothes to, like, wear during this interview because it'd be weird if I was just, like, hanging out naked with you two dudes. But it's not this particular shirt. You must have this right, shirt. Right, you right. must have a shirt. Right, I must mm-hmm. have a roof over my head. I must have food. I must have water. I must have air. I mean, there are a lot of things that we must have. But when you start getting into uh, the physical items, like it's it's just a very dangerous path. Because once you say, oh, I must have this uh, certain type of espresso maker, well, then it turns into I must have this certain type of car. I must have this. It's just a very dangerous road to go down. So, you know, t- to answer his question, like head on, how do you, how do you uh, figure out what you actually need and don't need? Well, he's got to implement some rules in his life. Uh, like for Josh and I, we've got the 90, 90 rule where if we haven't used something in the last 90 days or if we're, and I'm sorry, if we haven't used it in the last 90 days and we're not going to use it in the next 90 days, well then chances are we'll probably get rid of it. Now there are some snowboarding things that like, I know that I'll hold on to and it might fall outside that 90, 90 rule, but for all intents and purposes, 99.9% of the stuff in my house, uh, will go by that rule. So maybe it's not 90 90 uh, for everyone. Maybe it's you know maybe it's six months. Uh, maybe it's the six month six month rule for, for somebody else. But the key is is like figure out what rule 
is going to be most effective for your life. And not just your life. If you're living with other people, what's going to be most uh, beneficial for you and the people you live with, and then stick to that rule. But just going into a, into a closet with sentimental memories and asking the question like, oh, does this, does this uh, bring me joy or is this, is this going to add value to my life? Chances are like everything in that closet, you're going to say yes to a certain degree. So when you are saying yes, I want to hold on to all these things, then there are other rules I think we need to implement to help help us filter through. I feel like maybe maybe saying if you were to verbalize it out loud, like you go to that closet and I must have this shirt. You realize how <laughs> ridiculous like right. some of some of the things we talk about now. Matt, you live with someone who I don't think considers herself a minimalist. No, I don't know Although, if you just saw a recent tweet. She got uh, a couple inflatable, uh, inflatable donut and an inflatable cactus for a pool party <laughs> that we went to. <laughs> nice. I was like, this is what it's like to live with somebody who's not a minimalist <laughs> when you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you probably have the same values uh, as her, and she just she gets value from different things, right? Uh, so you have the same sort of core values, but you have different minor values, right? And and. And yeah, she might get way more value from a inflatable ca- I, that inflatable where he, he paused right after inflatable. I'm like, where is he going? With <laughs> this? She's got she's got a photo of me because I put that tweet out, and then she replied with a photo of me literally lying on both of them in a swimming pool. <laughs> and she's like, oh okay, you hypocrite, minimalist exposed. But um, I th- yeah, I think it like requires it an an. Uh, an element of flexibility and and also like realizing what our values are and realizing that uh, like if, if she really like enjoys that and like has a lot of fun with it, we're not going to keep those inflatable uh, toys forever. We're going to give them to somebody else who might need them, maybe find some kids where we can we can donate them to. Um, but you know, if I was just going to stand in between my girlfriend and her inflatable donut, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to make our relationship any better. Like no, we ha- it's you have to make it worse. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think actually in terms of like that original question, uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of dieting and not dieting, but changing your diet and figuring out what works and what doesn't yeah. is that everybody says you got to listen to your body and you got to mm. understand how something, how f- this food makes you feel when you eat it, while you're eating it and afterwards. And I love that. how does that feel? And I think you have to do that the same thing with physical items and, and recognize why there's an emotional attachment to this. If it actually is important, if it's something you should hold on to or if it's something you should let go yeah well well, think about it this way too when when i look at most of the stuff i was holding on to uh back in my my lotus eating 20s i i found that that i was holding on to many of those things just in case or or because i had some sort of attachment to it not realizing that attachment is completely man-made it's self-made and i created that attachment I built the well-decorated prison walls that I was then living in. And the cool, the actual good news about that is I could unbuild them. And, and I, I think, what was this guy's name? Sam. Sam. Sam, I think that if, if, you, if you're at a point right now where you, you see a lot of stuff, and maybe it wasn't your stuff, maybe you inherited it, or maybe you just have stuff you want to let go of, uh, and you realize, wow, I don't want to get rid of all the memories. Like, take pictures of the stuff, man. I did that with a lot of my mom's stuff. And the memories aren't in our things. The memories are inside us. But sometimes our things can trigger those memories. And so if you take photos of it, you'll still have that same trigger. And it can be on a hard drive or up in the cloud somewhere. And it's not taking up space in your house, in your basement, in your storage locker, or in the back of your mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, too, like the one thing that I learned about sentimental items um, is that sometimes like the memory of the thing 
is actually better than than having the thing. Like, um, what I'm thinking about is these letters that my mom wrote me when I was in high school, and at the time, um, they they meant a lot to me. Like, they were these very heartfelt, um, encouraging letters that that uh, my mom sent me when she was living in, in Florida. I was living in Ohio, and I remember going through that that box um, when I was minimizing, getting rid of all my my stuff. And I remember like reading one of the letters. So like before I actually read it, I was like holding it in my hand and just kind of glancing over it. And I saw a couple words and like I got this emotion that was, you know, evoked. Evoked? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I like to make up words. Yeah. <laughs> I think I usually say invoke. That's why. I, <laughs> <laughs> I invoke the emotion. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I, I had this, uh, this certain emotion um, that I felt then I read the letter, did not feel the same. Mm. It was like the memory of that letter was way better than actually rereading that letter. So a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, I, I think what I'm trying to help Sam see here is that uh, I, I promise I promise you, Sam, that the memories you have inside of you, they mean so much more than the actual physical item that, that triggers that memory. I think... I, I agree with Josh. I think taking pictures and having those triggers are important. Um, but those memories we have, are they're going to be better than anything. Great. So one more question for the Patreon. Um, what do you call them? Patreon donors? Yeah. Patrons? Uh, don- patrons. Patronizers. Oh, patrons. Patronizers. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's a word for it. There's got to be a word for it. Uh, the patrons. Um, so... Y- I'm like I'm really impressed at what you guys have been able to do and the consistency of delivering an amazing and beautiful message of simple living and and inspiring others to uh, live more meaningful lives. And I'm curious if you look back, is there one skill that you guys have developed and locked in on that you think you've been able to cultivate in a way that others don't or haven't? Man, I'll tell you the one thing that that. Uh, I was talking to a friend about this. I've never talked about this publicly, but you know, the, the number one fear in, in I think the world, but definitely the United States is public speaking. Like two is death. Public speaking is, is number one. I remember when I first became a manager at the company I was, the, the telecom company that Ryan and I worked at, I, um, I had to give this talk in front of all of my employees. Now, all of them at the time, I managed two stores and each store had one store had five employees. The other one had six employees. So I had 11 employees total, all of whom knew me and I managed them on a daily basis. But each month we had these like new promotions that came out. I had to give up and like give a talk in front of these 11 people. And only eight of them showed up. And, and so I'm in front of eight people. And I remember, I still remember, it's 2003, the sheer terror of getting up in front of those eight people and and speaking in front of them even though it meant essentially nothing i have no idea what i said then all the only thing i remember is the emotion from that and then here's the next the 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 other problem is i had to do it again the following month i had to get up in front of them and i got slightly better and then within a year the uh, regional manager was asking me to give talks in front of the entire region instead of just doing it one store at a time. I was then getting up and talking in front of the entire region. I'm sure if I went back and had a video of that, I was awful. <laughs> um, but I built up enough of that muscle, that, that confidence to, to be able to do some public speaking. And it's still not something that I'm very good at. 
But, I mean, the truth is, like, we go and speak in front of thousands of people every year, live audiences. And and if I hadn't started out panicked and actually just done it, then... Because writing is easier for you, I think, in many respects. It's, it's I think it's harder than public speaking to, to create something meaningful in terms of a finished product. But sitting down and writing on a piece of paper requires... There's really no fear there. There's nothing to get over. But getting up and, and performing in front of people, that skill has been incredibly difficult but also useful. And it's also something that we're able to do now in a way that I think helps us connect with people in a way that no other medium does. Right? People will come up to us after the events and they're like, I love your podcast, but seeing you in person, like realizing how funny or interesting or, or normal you are in person, like I, I can't, it's impossible to get that through, you know, the, the zeros and ones of the internet. Yeah. I totally agree with that, man. It made me think about, do you remember when I was applying? It was like my first major promotion, um, applying for store manager. Yeah. And Josh was helping me prepare for this interview and Every interview I've ever done up to that point, it was you sit down, you you get asked questions, and you answer the questions. And Josh is like, no, dude. He's like, you're going to give a presentation. And mm-hmm. I put together, and Josh helped me put together a bunch of like slides. And um, basically, I mean, I walked in and just like ran that interview. At the point where, at the end of the interview, they didn't have any questions to ask me, except for, you know, like just a couple little throw out quite we used to always ask people in our interviews would you rather uh ride in a train dance in the rain or feel no pain just just to see what people would there there is no right yeah. or wrong answer to that question um but yeah i mean there's a couple things like that but uh but yeah i remember that dude and and thank god like for all that all, all of that conditioning and i i remember some uh some guy coming to one of our events and he was like isn't there anything you got from your old from your old job i mean you, you know is there anything positive you can say about it and and i think that's what uh, we said at the time too it was like yeah like the public speaking thing really really helped but i'll be honest with you man like i don't i don't look at myself as a better public speaker than than other people um i don't i don't really look in the mirror and see any skill that i have that is you know above and beyond what anyone else has and like that's good news because you know i'm looking in the mirror and i'm going if I can do it, anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think if there's if there's anything that um, you know, like a, a, like a tip that I could give any entrepreneur out there, it would be like surround yourself with people who you want to be like. Like when I think about the people that I spend most of my time with, they are people who, when I look at their life, I'm like, man, that's a that's a really that's a really good life. And that person's you know really smart at this. They're really good at that. And like, there's some there's some way that I look up to them, and don't necessarily want to be them, but but there is an aspect to where I totally look up to them, and and vice versa. It's like I don't just you know I'm not just a succubus with all my friends. Like I will try to add as much value uh, as much value as possible, just so that I'm not just taking from these relationships. But I gotta tell you, man, like looking at my 25 year old self, I can't tell you how many people I hung out with, and there's no way in hell I would ever want to live their life. And like thinking back, I'm like, why would I ever hang out? If I'm hanging out with someone and I'm looking at them and thinking, this is a life I never want to live. Your life looks miserable. Uh, like why would I invest time in, into developing a, a long-term friendship with that person? I'm not saying that I should treat that person poorly. But in order to help myself grow to get better at, at whatever skills, 
I've got to surround myself with people who have the skills that I want to emulate and I, and I look up to in a certain way that helps me to, to grow. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it so take your eyes away, or take your 